We'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study. For September 18th, 2011, we're going to continue our expose. Now we're going to actually get into uh, David Flynn and Isaac Newton warning. And uh, <clears throat> this was an email I got from a Lewis quite a while ago. Uh, regarding Tom Horn, he says, I've often heard Tom Horn slash Raiders News Network, as well as Steve Quayle, referring to people, uh, to his very good friend David Flynn. Flynn is known as Paracelsius, Paracelsius, 2012 on YouTube. That's his handle. Paracelsius was a 15th, 15th century alchemist Occultist. After researching Flynn, whom Mr. Horn exalts and recommends, it appears Flynn has very strange links to Rosicrucianism and Freemasonry, like Tom Horn didn't know that. This gives me more proof that in the, quote, truth movement, it's actually controlled and steered by the satanic opposition. Lewis. Wow. Wow. But, again, that is what we've been covering here. You know, I mean, at bare minimum, you you hope that they're ignorant of these facts. But at maximum, (laughs) I don't really, I shudder to think um, what their true agenda might be. I don't know. That's speculative. But all I can do is present you the facts here and present you what's easily documentable and you have to be the judge At bare minimum, we're pointing out some huge red flags. Flynn wrote the book, The Temple at the Center of Time. And when it came out, it was this big, gigantic thing. And, and, you know, and then I started researching this. I mean, from the very, very inception of researching this book that David Flynn wrote, Temple at the Center of Time, it was totally based on Sir Isaac Newton's works. I didn't know a lot about him, but as I started researching this, Again, gigantic red flags that doesn't really take a lot of research to uncover. Uh, He had also made some predictions, time-dependent predictions, about certain events coming to pass. And they did not come to pass. They've already come and gone. And now we get into false prophecies. Now, it's as though the people that support him, or many, many times I see people that are supposed prophets in today's day and age. And they've made all these time-dependent prophecies that have come and gone, and yet the people still follow them and go on as though, oh well, he got it wrong, we'll keep following him. We'll we'll keep, well we'll hold on. The Bible says in uh, Deuteronomy 18 that a prophet that presumes to speak a, a, a word in the name of the Lord, that you know it's a true prophet, there's really two criteria. If you go back a few chapters, it gives you the first criteria. And then in Deuteronomy 18, it completes it. But essentially, the criteria is, they got to get it right. And it cannot, and it has to line up with the word of God. It cannot lead you to serve other gods. In other words, you could get a prophecy right, and it points to Satan. Well, that's not a true prophet either. Now, the punishment in Deuteronomy 18 was death. No big deal. You know, just kill him. Now, though, we've got all these supposed prophets running around, calling themselves prophets. Now, here we are in the Laodicean church era, the time when the strong delusion is going to be the norm, 
And we've got all these prophets uh, running around saying, you know, some of them say, you know, this or that, and some of them say I've got it right 100% of the time, yet they can't back it up. You know, it's a very serious thing to call yourself a prophet and to make predictions that don't come to pass. I still think it's a serious thing in today's day and age just because we're not commanded to go out and stone them. Uh, that This is something where you can uh, lead tons of people astray. You can, um, you know, it's a terrible thing. It's it's very serious in God's eyes. God, God said he's the same today, yesterday, and forever. He said, I am God, I changeth not. So, it's still a very egregious thing in God's eyes to make predictions and them not to come to pass. Anyway, I'm not going to really focus in on that. I'm just going to focus in on the other obvious things regarding uh, David Flynn. And after I received this, this letter, my comment back to him was, so far, every reference I've seen him, meaning David Flynn, reference regarding this book, this temple at the center of time, were high-level occultists. And then I said, see below, and I'm going to give you all the proof of that. Just way too many red flags. We are to, quote, flee all appearance of evil and to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather to reprove them. Okay? Why, if you were putting out a supposedly Christian book, and other people like Tom Horn and these types of people are promoting this book, and, and at the time, everybody would seem like they were on this bandwagon. Again, a lot of these alternative Christian ministries that are involved in UFO research and end time stuff and UFO and prophetic stuff. Why are you going to use occultists and their research as the backbone to your Christian-oriented book that is supposedly going to enlighten you to all of these end time scenarios that we've been ignorant of? A corrupt fountain cannot yield good water. A corrupt tree can't bring forth good fruit. I mean, it, again, it, when this all happened, I'm like, whoa, whoa. Let's just look at the obvious here. I go on to say in this comment, Flynn is carrying on the work of, of all these high-level occultists that he is referencing. This is scary stuff. I emailed a prominent ministry who has been on my email list for years and is promoting Flynn's book. I Anyway, and he basically told me that all these high-level occultists Flynn is referencing, that God is now showing Flynn the key, the missing keys to their research to actually bring forth good from all of this information. So I already emailed, I don't know if this was Tom Horn, was one of them promoting, because it was a huge thing. And my response was, well, the, the, uh, God is now showing Flynn the missing keys to, the, to their occultic research to bring forth good from all of this occultic information. <laughs> That's not the way the Bible works. That's not the way God works. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And if it's just pure occultic research, I mean, talk about leaven. The problem is we have no biblical precedence for the Lord Jesus Christ ever telling us to operate in this manner. Actually, quite the um, contrary, according to Scripture. Ephesians 5, 11, 13, 5, and verses 13 through 16, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. So in other words, we shouldn't be having fellowship with high-level occultists. We should be reproving them. 
And then it goes on to say, but all things that are reproved are, are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he shall saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I've, I've given these definitions before, but according to the Noah Webster 1828 Dictionary, which defines the words of the King James Bible much more closely than it would if you just picked up a modern-day dictionary, because it's closer to the time when it was written, those words, some of their meanings have changed. The word reprove means to, to blame, to convince a fault, or to make manifest, to excite a sense of guilt. To walk, where it says walk circumspectly, that means, circumspectly means cautiously, with watchfulness in every way, with attention to guard against surprise or danger. That's not really what's commonly taught in churches. They don't teach this stuff. It's just most of them don't. They're just, you know, walk your merry way, and, you know, they're not really concerned about these subjects. Psalm 97 verse 10 says, Ye that love the Lord hate evil. Why, if you love the Lord, are you going to go around loving evil, or embracing it, or using it in your research to form the backbone of a book you're writing? Jeremiah 48.10 said, Cursed be he that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully. Well, this is what I would call a book that's supposedly going to straighten us all out from a Christian standpoint, and yet use occultic sources. But yet with this veneer of Christianity, and it's being rubber stamped by all these other Christians as being good. Cursed be he that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully. Matthew 24, 24. If it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. In the, regarding the end times. 2 Corinthians 2, 11, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. That's what's happening to most people. Satan's got an advantage of most people because we're ignorant of his devices. It says, lest he, meaning this can happen. But if we're not ignorant of his devices, then he's not going to be able to get an advantage of us in that area unless we just willfully let him. Again, my children are destroyed for lack of knowledge, Hosea 4.6. Colossians 2.8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of this world and not after Christ. This is the, the whole basis of what David Flynn based this book off. I mean, I've seen him speak before um, on video. Um, I had ordered these set of videos a long, long time ago when I was researching a lot with this, the aliens and these conferences that were being held out in Arizona. And he was one of the speakers. And, you know, the first thing I noticed about the guy is, you know, he had really long hair. He looked like, you know, I don't know, he almost looked like a female. And I'm like, what is he doing with the hair? The Bible says, doesn't nature therefore itself teacheth you that it is a shame for a man to have long hair? It says that in the New Testament. That's hardly ever preached in the churches either. Now a woman, her long hair, basically says it's her glory. It's her covering. Okay, But nature teaches us that it's a shame for a man to have long hair. You just know by looking at a guy with long hair, I mean, I, I... Maybe before I didn't, before I was saved, but I sure do now. That's not right. The Bible teaches. And all these long-haired pictures of Jesus, I just love that. (laughs) 
that the Catholic Church gave us. The Sananda Emmanuel false master Jesus version. That's just more confirmation there. I talked about that a couple teachings back. Flynn, and this is my comment, Flynn is in big trouble with God and I really believe he needs to get saved as I have really never seen any evidence of salvation when I have watched his talks. And I have watched a whole bunch of his footage. Now, more from a research perspective and not lately, but several years ago. I never saw, honestly, I thought it was some secular guy uh, talking. There was no evidence of, of being a Christian whatsoever. He was very intelligent, no doubt. Um, articulate, seemingly meticulous with his research, impressive from that standpoint, but never, I thought, honestly, looking at him, I would have never, ever, I mean, there's nothing in his talks that would offend somebody from the secular world at all. Not one thing would offend. You could, you could show it to anybody. Now, a true born-again Christian, most of the time, you enter in, or you watch, or listen to one of their, whatever, if it's a preacher, <laughs> people that are secular are going to start getting offended, because they're going to start saying things that make them uncomfortable, most of the time. You know, I'm not saying every subject, but a lot of subjects. I've never heard anything out of this guy's mouth that would indicate that he's a Christian to me. And when this all came out with this temple at the center of time, and then I saw what the work was based on, it was just more confirmation. And that was why it was all the more shocking to me that we had these mega big-time ministries that are focused in on this stuff, Tom Horn probably being at the forefront, endorsing this guy. And then his false prophecies didn't come about, and then it was like, come on, what is it going to take? No, we'll just go on our merry way and we'll just ignore all that. Unbelievable. Uh, next, and then I'm, I um, <clears throat> next, it would be important to look at the definition of the words that are synonymous with Flynn's teaching teachings. Now, these are words he would use, okay, or words used to describe his book and his research. The essence of all these words boil down to hidden knowledge reserved only for the practitioners of their respective cults. That's the definition. See, this book supposedly came out because he was revealed this hidden knowledge that Isaac Newton and other occultists had started, but weren't able to quite finish. So he's going to fill in the missing pieces for us and turn it into something godly now. It's impossible. It was a corrupt foundation from the very beginning. And the Bible says in Psalm 11, verse 3, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The foundations were corrupt from the beginning. It cannot be built upon. You can build on it, but it's just going to get more corrupt. Uh, going further, the essence... Okay, I already said that. This is the oldest recruiting tool in the book to get people involved in cults or a cult-like belief system. It's well known. You offer these the periphery cult materials to the outer lady that would come into your respective cult, and I'll call Catholics or Hinduism, Buddhism, whatever. And then for those that want to get to the initiated level, the people that are really in the know, well then you introduce to them the alternate plan where you can become either a priest or high priestess or, or a whatever 
in this respective cult. And then incrementally and slowly over time, you will be revealed this hidden knowledge. This occult knowledge. That word occult means hidden knowledge. Gnostic means hidden knowledge. That's how, this is the oldest recruiting tool in the book. It was, it was really how Satan got Eve to sin. He said, yea, hath God said, you shall not surely die. Did God really say that? You won't really die. You'll know, you know, you'll, you'll have all this knowledge revealed to you when you partake of this tree of the knowledge of the good or evil. That she wanted this. There was a lot of reasons that, that um, it was pleasing to the eye and these types of things. There's, there's, there's no, not one reason why she did it, but that's one of the main ones. She was seeking. He had offered her this hidden, forbidden fruit, this, this hidden knowledge. It's the oldest, it's the oldest uh, recruiting tool in the book for Satan to get people to, to join these cults. It is the basis for virtually all false religions. This is very dangerous. It is the same old lie that Satan used on Eve in the Garden of Eden, as he promised her hidden knowledge and also godhood. Stick with the word of God, the King James Bible, and never put your trust in any man, only the Bible. And I quoted Jeremiah 17.5, which I've already quoted several times today. Flynn has totally built his theories on the back of high-level occultists and admits that. So, again, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some definitions here regarding a lot of the words that Flynn would use, regarding a lot of the things that, terms that, that were used, that were instrumental in this uh, book that, that he wrote. The first term, esoteric, meaning intended for only, intended for or understood by only a particular group, an esoteric cult, of or relating to that to which is known by a restricted number of people. Not publicly disclosed, confidential. It's for just this select initiate group, esoteric. Occult, available only to the initiate, secret, hidden from view, concealed. Gnosticism, hidden knowledge. The doctrines of certain pre-Christian, pre-Christian, pagan, Jewish, and pseudo-Christian sects that valued the revealed knowledge of God and of the origin and of the and end of human race as a means to attain spiritual, to attain redemption for the spiritual element in humans. They want to be as gods. If they're a god, then they've already been redeemed. Right? They've already redeemed themselves. Because they're gods. They're not going to die. Well, this is what man deep down wants. He wants to be able to become a god so that he doesn't have to answer to a holy god. Because if he's a god, he don't have to answer to no other gods, right? It's the basis of Gnosticism. Alchemy is the ancient tradition, the primary objective of which was the creation of the mythical philosopher's stone, which you see a lot of that in Harry Potter, which was also said to be capable, this philosopher's stone was to be capable of turning base metals, like I would say lead or iron or whatever, into gold and silver. It'd be a pretty good racket, right? Take your lead, convert it into gold. Wow, there you go. And also acts as an elixir of life that would confer youth and immortality upon its user. So, hey, this philosopher's son's a great scam. You get rich and you live forever. What's not the light? You shall be as gods, right? It's the same old lie. 
just repackaged a little differently. However, alchemy also included various non-scientific, mythological, religious, and spiritual concepts, theories, and practices. Okay, so continuing here. So, in the temple at the center of time, Flynn follows the trail. Now, this is from their advertisement for the book. I've got this uh, off Raiders News Network, I'm pretty sure. In the temple at the center of time, Flynn follows the trail left by Isaac Newton and others who sought the ancient wisdom of men, basically pagans, like Plato, Pythagoras, and King Solomon. Now, I'm not going to say King Solomon. Solomon delved into heavily, though, paganism. Remember, his wives led him astray. And, um, you know, when you got a, a, basically a thousand women that you're with, and they're pretty much all pagans, they're going to lead your heart away from God. That's what happened. So this is the Solomon they're in reference to there, that wisdom. Not, not, not the wisdom of, like, Solomon when he was right with God. But it was the wisdom of Solomon when he was led astray and worshipped other gods. Okay? Pythagoras, I mean, if you look in Freemasonry and a lot of these videos, how much the Pythagorean theorem enters into play in the, a lot of the foundational basis for their occult belief system. Plato, I mean, we're talking some ungodly stuff here. With Sir Isaac Newton also. We're going to talk a lot about him. So, again, they're promoting this. It's like when we just talked about the unabashed promotion of not-so-subtly promoting Catholicism. Well, now they're... You know, it's like, are you kidding me? And then it goes on to say, David Flynn's new book, The Temple at the Center of Time, has been named the number one pick among bestsellers at World Daily Net. And it gives you a link to World Daily Net. Uh, where you can buy the book. Uh, okay, I just went ahead and checked that link, because this is I've had this information for a long time. Uh, the link to the Temple at the Center of Time for World Daily Net, and maybe they were the ones mostly promoting it, but I, it was a collaborative effort. World Daily Net, Raiders News Network, Tom Horn, the whole nine yards, okay? Uh, it's There's nothing there anymore. It's, it just takes you to a world daily net. Maybe they wised up a little bit. I don't know. But David Flynn's new hit book, The Temple at the Center of Time, has been named the number one pick among bestsellers at shopworlddailynet.com. This, and I could do probably a whole teaching on World Daily Net as well. I've seen a ton of stuff that's very suspect. A lot of their stuff's very good. A lot of their stuff's very good to glean from. But there's a lot of red flags from them too. Okay, and again, that's why I say, I just glean. If I play an Alex Jones clip, I'm gleaning. You know, Raiders News Network, World Daily Net, CNN, NBC, I'm gleaning at this point. <laughs> that's all I'm claiming to do. So, <clears throat> has been named the number one pick among bestsellers. This week for tackling some of the biggest mysteries of Christianity. The location of the Ark of the Covenant, the significance of the Temple Mount, and others. Again, we're all going to find out the significance of this through, uh, on the backs of these occult researchers, that David Flynn has finally figured out the missing keys of the puzzle. It's just all corrupt from the very beginning, though. So, okay, going further. Product description. So this is a product description from their own website. 
Oh, no, hold on. I'm getting ahead of myself. The new book, which is scheduled for official release soon, targets Newton's Bible Codex, which has been addressed in other books but never explained. Product description. A belief in the ancient that the ancients held unusual scientific knowledge of which only fragments remain today, was held by the great many philosophers and scientists who participated in the scientific revolution. Now, what were we just talking about in the first teaching? We were talking about as though it appears as though, looking at the verses I can see on the millennium, Ezekiel 38, 39, uh, those four verses in Isaiah, Micah, it's looking like technology is going to take go backwards. Because technology, it seems as though it tends to corrupt mankind consistently when it's introduced. I believe it did it in, in Noah's day, and as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. I mean, do you think the fallen angels, when they fell and they procreated with women, they didn't bring a lot of their own technology to the game? They, they had all their little satanic carrots out for humanity, and they were just chomping at the bit to get them? Do you know that when I see these, um, these guys, that, like that Stephen Greer guy, on the Disclosure Project, all these supposed scientists and ex-NASA employees and all these guys pushing for disclosure. Why is our government holding back? They know they've been in collaborative efforts with these supposed ETs for decades. Why are they lying? There's all these documentation to prove it. There's all these ex-astronauts and NASA people and people in the Air Force that are coming forward now to say, you know, we've been in cahoots with them for all these times and they've got all this technology. Do you know what they consistently say? And remember how I said I saw David Flynn speaking at like these conferences? Well, these conferences, they would have flat out secular people speaking there and supposedly Christians speaking there. Which, you know, I don't know how much Bible there is for that. I don't really think there is any. The Bible says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what communion hath Christ with Belial? Well, one of the consistent themes I always saw from the secular speakers, okay, and Flynn was on these panels, you know the biggest common denominator I always saw? Here it is. All they cared about was the technology. They're like, we'll sell our soul as long as you give us more technology. Because they believe the aliens, or these ETs, are our are saviors. They believe they're going to be able to fix all of our problems. And they probably do have the technology to fix all the problems. And most likely, they created all the problems that we've got now. Hegelian dialectic, problem, reaction, solution. They're going to come as the saviors. Most likely, like with the ascended masters and the antichrist and the false prophet. And they're going to say, you know, what if we... Okay, let's give you this scenario. What if we start to have more multiple meltdowns like Fukushima? I just saw this report yesterday where the rainwater in St. Louis is like 166 times normal on certain radiation levels. The rainwater. Not the ambient air, but just the rainwater. What if we've got multiple nuclear meltdowns going on around the planet because of some like pole shift and or tsunami, tidal wave, wave of earthquakes? What if that happens and we've got multiple... Wouldn't that be a great time for the good old supposed aliens to come along with their solution? Wouldn't that be an interesting scenario if that's what happened? And they come as our saviors and, well, we can clean all this up as long as you do this. You know, you, you make a deal with Satan, there's always going to be a bigger, much bigger price to pay than you would have, than you want to pay. 
And I believe this is a this is going to be one of the primary deceptions. It's going to be a deception that's also based in a lot of desperation on the part of humanity to yoke up with these things. Because if they can create enough desperation within humanity, you know, they'll, they'll be like, Where, whatever we have to do, we'll, we'll we'll do whatever we have to do. And these guys, like Stephen Greer and them, they'll flat out tell you what we want is the technology. We want the cures to cancer. There's already cures to cancer. They're just they're just suppressed. A lot of these diseases have been created by the pharmaceutical industry, by the medical industry, or by other industries like p- pumping fluoride into the water, which is rat poison, or chlorine, which you know is, is also poison. All of these additives they put in the food: aspartame, NutraSweet, aspartame, potassium. Sucralose, all these poisons they're putting into the food supply, chemtrailing us like crazy. Who's behind all that? Satan? They create all these problems, and then they're going to ultimately give us the solution. And people are going to be so desperate when I think things start to go down that they're going to be able to... And the common denominator I've always seen is we don't care what we've got to do. And then these are from the secular people in the UFO movement that are trying to push for disclosure. We don't care what we have to do. We want disclosure and we want the technology. We want free energy. Free energy is great. I think it's wonderful. But if Satan's giving you the free energy, there's a problem. There's going to be strings attached. Cures to all the diseases. Um, This utopian whatever. Zeitgeist mentality, which I've exposed before. It's going to be a price that most people aren't going to want to pay. If they knew what the actual price was, they wouldn't want to pay it. So just, you know, understand that. So product description of the book. Um, A belief that the ancients held unusual scientific knowledge, of which only fragments remain today, was held by the many great philosophers and scientists who participated in the, quote, scientific revolution. So again, science is here to save humanity. Not the Lord Jesus Christ. Science. Where has science gotten us? Again, are we godly now? Is everything going great? No, everything's just ten times the mess it was a hundred years ago in certain ways. I'm not saying in every way, but I'm saying in certain ways. From a morality standpoint, I think that would be hard to argue. Through research by these men, though research by these men led to great discoveries... Many were convinced that they were merely scratching the surface of an immense but lost, pristine knowledge, somehow reflected in the architecture and remains of the ancient civilizations. And again, as I said before, if the technology and science were used for good by people whose minds weren't darkened, by people who were born-again Christians, yes, it could be used for good. But that's not the way it tends to turn out. Satan gets a hold of it and uses it for evil. So I I wanted to preface that, the quote about technology. In the Temple at the Center of Time, the book, investigations of the sacred dimension revealed in prophecy the Temple of Jerusalem and the Ark of the Covenant from the works of Isaac Newton David Flynn uncovers what is sure to be heralded as one of the greatest discoveries of all time. So see, we have to have all this occult, hidden, Gnostic knowledge, uncoded, 
by another occultist, who David Flynn is, in order to actually finally achieve enlightenment. Does anybody see a problem with this? He talks about sacred dimension. What is he, ta- what is he saying there? Sacred geometry, which is one of the biggest themes you will see in high-level occult, particularly modern-day occultism. They're obsessed with this sacred geometry. And he even mentions it here. There's one red flag after another. Since the time of Newton, no one has revealed the true form and nature of the original knowledge, or from whence it came until now. For the first time in history, the temple at the center of time uncovers what Newton was looking for, and in doing so proves the pivotal events in history are unquestionably connected in time and space to Jerusalem. Isn't it funny? It seems like Satan's always obsessed with Jerusalem. Why? Because he know God is very concerned about Jerusalem. Remember we talked about the holy city in the first part of the study we did today? Well, if God's concerned about it, Satan's concerned about it. Why do you think he's got all these Muslims chomping at the bit, worked up into a total froth around Jerusalem, wanting to destroy all the inhabitants of Jerusalem that are Jewish, Israel, of Israel, and drive them into the sea. Why is it that the world seems to be, oh, Jerusalem being a cup of trembling, maybe that's uh, a burdensome stone, as the Bible talks about Jerusalem becoming, to all those that dwell on the earth? Yeah. See, Satan knows God's concerned about it. And Satan feels like, well, if I can wipe Jerusalem off the map, maybe, or take control of it, like he's going to try to during the midpoint of the tribulation, where he's going to go into the temple and proclaim himself to be God. Remember that? We just talked about it in part one. Well, he figures maybe he could throw monkey wrenches into God's plan. It's not going to happen. But he still keeps him trying, you know. So, <clears throat> let me just read this last statement again. Uh, temple at the center of time uncovers what Newton was looking for, and in doing so proves the pivotal events... In history are unquestionably connected in time and space to Jerusalem. Newton didn't know it. The key was right in front of him. So in other words, David Flynn and his infinite wisdom finally figured it out. About the author. And we already talked to you about his the name he goes by, the high-level occultist name he goes by, Parcelsius or whatever, on YouTube. I don't know if he still does, but, you know. Since 1983, David Flynn has posted original and groundbreaking research of ancient mysteries illuminated fraternities, and Bible prophecy on his famous Watcher's website. Why would we want... Why would we want to apply this information? I mean, it's corrupted information. It's one thing to know about it. It's another thing to decode it and to use it. It's corrupted. From the beginning, it's red flag stuff. Now, let's just... I just did a little bit of research on Isaac Newton. It was very easy to find out about Isaac Newton, which is what the main backbone of the book is based on his research and other occultists of this wonderful book that's supposedly being highly recommended to Christians, or has been. Uh, Quote, The unpublished work of Isaac Newton includes much of what would now be classified as occult studies. Now, this is just a general, easily find out, if you want to find out about Isaac Newton, you're going to find the same information. Um, His research included much of that which would be classified as occult studies. Occult. Like an occultist? Yeah. 
He worked extensively outside the strict bounds of science and mathematics, particularly on chronology, alchemy. Remember we defined alchemy earlier, the whole philosopher's stone, elixir of life. You shall be as God, you, get, you know, you'll live forever and be rich. And the religious implications there, the occult applications, yeah. So he worked particularly on chronology, alchemy, and biblical interpretation, especially the apocalypse. Why would you go to a, an occultist to, for a Bible study? It's like Satan giving you a Bible study. Okay, children, gather around. I'm Satan, and I'm going to tell you how to interpret the Bible. It doesn't make sense. It's, that's insane. But yes, yet that's what's going on here. And I've, I've hardly seen any ministries coming out saying, no, no, red flags, red flags on this. Much of his writing on alchemy, this is about Isaac Newton, on alchemy may have been lost in a fire in his laboratory. Oh, bummer on that, you know, mega bummer. Uh, I think God probably sent the fire, so hopefully it would, you know. Anyway, so to the true extent of his work in this area may have been larger than is currently known. He also suffered a nervous breakdown during his period of alchemical work. It sound, sounds like he was a born-again Christian to me. He was working on alchemy and all these occult things, and he, fought, he suffers a nervous breakdown. Uh, the nervous breakdown, which was thought by some due to his own psychological transformation that alchemy originally was designed to induce... Wow, it sounded like he got demon-possessed to the toenails. And because he started working on all his alchemy, and it's totally from the pit of hell, and it's this whole philosopher's stone, which is what Harry Potter promotes, he got so infested and full of demons, he suffered a nervous breakdown during his alchemical work, which is thought by some, I mean, they, they try to put this positive veneer on it, was thought by some to uh, because of the psychological transformation that alchemy originally was designed to induce. Oh, that's nice. Again, he got demon-possessed. It was inducing demon possession. As he, as you dabble more in the occult, as you dabble more in witchcraft, let's just call it witchcraft, because that's what it is. Isn't that what Harry Potter's based on? Well, as you do that more and more and more, you open more and more doors, you get more and more demon-infested, and a lot of times you get to the point where you have a nervous breakdown because you cannot handle all the demons anymore. You know, they torment you. You go crazy. A lot of people that are in insane asylums are crazy because they're full of devils and demons. Though there is also speculation it may have been from some form of chemical poisoning, his nervous breakdown. Sir Isaac Newton was an English physicist, mathematician, astronomer, philosopher, and alchemist. Alchemy is the early proto-scientific science of combining elements of chemistry, physics, astrology, astrology, not astronomy, astrology, which is forbidden in the Bible, art, semiotics, metallurgy, medicine, and mysticism. Okay, and I also gave you the, the other definition of alchemy, which is just as accurate. That's more of a... The, the last definition I just gave you is a little more watered down, a little more palatable. Sir Isaac Newton. He lived from 1643 to 1727. He is the notice, noted British scientist and mathematician. He wrote many works that would now be classified as occult studies. This is another 
article. This isn't like debatable what we're talking about. Oh no, he was a born again Christian on fire for God. No, he wasn't. <laughs> it's very easy to find that out. Okay, just do any kind of cursory research on the guy's life. Okay, and again, if I see a book and it's based off someone's research, well, then I go to the the source of the research and examine that. Was it a born again Christian? No, it was about the farthest thing from it. But other than that, there's no red flags. Nothing to look at here. Just keep moving, folks. Just keep moving. No problem here. (laughs) Goes on to say, these occult works explored chronology, alchemy, and biblical interpretation, especially that of the apocalypse. Great. I really want to intermingle biblical interpretation with chronology, alchemy, and other occult studies. Sounds like a match made in hell to me. Newton's scientific work may have been of lesser personal importance to him as he placed emphasis on rediscovering the occult wisdom of the ancients. That's what his emphasis was on. Rediscovering the occult wisdom of the ancients. Where did that occult wisdom get the ancients? Well, it got them judgment from God and they got wiped out. Yeah, so I want to revisit that and, and, and really you know delve into that so I can get God's judgment on me as well. That's what's going to happen. It's insanity. This is what the guy was obsessed with. This is what David Flynn is unabashedly obsessed with. And this is being promoted by other Christians as a Christian work? This is insanity. After purchasing and studying Newton's alchemical works in 1942, economist John Maynard Keyes, for example, uh, said that Newton was not the first of the age of reason. He was the last of the magicians. Nice. Yes, I mean, hey, what, what's not the like? Again, we, we just all need to lighten up. He was the last of the magicians. Yeah, like a witch. And that's what witches and warlocks, I mean, this is in the realm of witchcraft. The Philosopher's Stone, alchemy. This is what good old John Maynard Keyes, economist, said. Perhaps the secret society which most influenced Isaac Newton were the Rosicrucians. Oh, good! Another red flag. Another gigantic one. Rosicrucians. The Rosicrucian movement still would have a profound influence upon Newton, particularly in regard... Now, this is all referenced. What I'm talking about here, everything we're talking about here is referenced. It's not like opinion. He was. Okay? Um, Rosicrucian movement would still have a profound influence upon Newton, particularly in regard to his alchemical work and his philosophical thought. Great. The Rosicrucian belief in being spiritually chosen for the ability to communicate with angels or spirits is echoed in Newton's prophetic beliefs. Oh, good. So, see, the Rosicrucians believed that they were special. It's all about pride. Okay, I mean, look at the titles that the Freemasons take on. Rosicrucianism is just kind of a different, like a a different flavor of the Freemasons. It's a little bit, I believe, a little bit higher level. A little bit more overtly occultic. Not saying it is more occultic, but I think on the surface, it's a little more overtly occultic. 
believe that they're specially chosen for their ability to communicate with angels or spirits. Yeah. Through the occult, though. So I'm sure that they're talking to good angels, right? Because they're using, they're special, and they're, they've been picked so they can communicate with angels. Well, the Bible says, again, if Satan can transform himself into an angel of light, it's no marvel if his ministers can transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. They appear righteous. So Satan has a lot of fallen angels out there manifesting themselves as angels of light, and those are the ones that are going to be communicating with occultists. They're not going to come out with a pitchfork and a pointing tail and, you know, looking like Satan most of the time. They're there to deceive you. This is what is echoed in Newton's prophetic beliefs. So a lot of, I believe, what he believed to be truth was because of his communication with angels and spirits. Oh, great. Again, you know, like necromancy and, and these types of things. Additionally, the Rosicrucians proclaim to have the ability to live forever through the use of the elixir vitae and the ability to produce limitless amounts of gold from the use of the Philosopher's Stone. Here we go again. Which they claim to have in their possession. Now, this is a money-making scheme. <laughs> we got the old Philosopher's Stone over here. Make as much gold as we want. And we have the uh, we're going to live forever because we have this elixir vitae. Yet, two more gigantic lies from the pit of hell. Well, this is why Newton was so obsessed with this, because he was a Rosicrucian. Going further, like Newton, the Rosicrucians were deeply religious. A lot of people are religious. Hindus are religious. Buddhists are religious. Most cults are very religious, and that religion is going to get them right into the pit of hell. Because they've chosen to follow a false god, a false belief system, and not the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Rosicrucians were deeply religious. And so was Newton. So what? He was avowedly Christian. Um, I guess the world, according to Isaac Newton, he was? I mean, he was avowedly Christian. In his own mind, I guess he was. Well, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm a Rosicrucian, and, and, and I, I'm, I'm a witch, too. And, and I, I, I'm after this Philosopher's Stone and this Elixir of Life stuff, and, and um, I'm totally obsessed with the wisdom of the ancients, or essentially the wisdom of the fallen angels of old. But yeah, I'm an avowed Christian. Well, a lot of Freemasons say that they're avowed Christians. Like that poor deceived devil that they interviewed, he came out of a Freemasonic, I don't know if it was a Shriner convention or what, and they, and they interviewed him, they asked him about Lucifer. He says, oh, Lucifer's good and wonderful and just, and, and, and a, you know, a, he was praising Lucifer. And they're like, well, aren't you a Christian? Oh, of course I'm a Christian. Reminded me of that. It's like, where do you begin? These people are so demonically, their minds are so dark and, and they're so twisted in their thought pattern. They have truly been given over to strong delusion that they will believe a lie. Their consciences have been seared. The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. This is what we're talking about. They've given heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. 
they're just they're like on demonic autopilot. So, like Newton, the Rosicrucians were deeply religious, avowedly Christian, anti-Catholic. So, like Newton, deeply religious, avowedly Christian, anti-Catholic. They had one thing right. And highly politicized. Isaac Newton would have a deep interest in not just their alchemical pursuits, but also their belief in the esoteric truths. Remember we defined that word esoteric? Which has a lot to do with occult, Gnosticism type of thing. Their esoteric truths of the ancient past and their belief in the enlightened individuals with the ability to gain insight into nature, the physical universe, and the spiritual realm. This is just witchcraft is what it is. It's And all of this stuff, I mean, you got caught doing this stuff in the Old Testament, it's a death sentence. Now, if you don't believe that, just go to my go to the uh, contendingfortruth.com and key in witchcraft. And um, in the search bar, contendingfortruth.com, and... Um, you look for the teaching, uh, witchcraft practices biblically defined. <laughs> you'll, you'll see all this stuff with astrology and fortune telling and horoscopes and all this garbage was totally forbidden in the Bible and was literally punishable by death in the Old Testament. At the time of his death, Isaac Newton had 169 books on the topic of alchemy alone. You can't tell me this guy's mind wasn't totally darkened. He was being led by Satan, essentially. Uh, that, that was in his personal library. And was believed to have considerably more books on this topic during his Cambridge years. Though he may have sold them before moving to London in 1696. He must have had a little garage sale there. Anyway, um, for its time, his was considered one of the finest alchemical libraries in the world. That's really something to brag about. I mean, if you're a true Christian. There is no verifiable record of Newton being a Freemason. Despite this lack of evidence, Isaac Newton is still frequently identified as being a member of several early Masonic lodges. Now, I didn't say there wasn't any uh, evidence of him being a Rosicrucian, but just a Freemason. But it says, despite this lack of evidence, Isaac Newton is still frequently identified as being a member of several early Masonic lodges, including the Grand Lodge of England, there is currently a Freemasonic Lodge operating at Cambridge University named the Isaac Newton University Lodge. Just like that study I did on George Washington. Oh no, he had nothing to do with it. Oh, okay, okay. You're right. He had nothing to do with the, free, the Freemasons, right? Uh-huh. I, well, I would say history bears that out a little different if you look at the facts. You know, so... Newton's membership of the Royal Society and the fact that many Royal Society members have identified as er, have been identified as early Freemasons has led many to believe that Newton was a Mason himself. It is clear Newton was deeply interested in architecture, sacred geometry again, sacred geometry, not good when you see that word red, huge red flags. And the structure of the Temple of Solomon, which Freemasons are obsessed with, Rosicrucians are obsessed with. The whole thing about the Temple of Solomon and all that stuff, uh, which is a subject that plays an important early role in Masonic mythology. Isaac Newton is actually listed as a famous Freemason for Lodge Number Eight Fifty Nine in Cambridge. He's listed as that. So I mean, why would you ever delve into this guy's? Unless you were going to try to do like what I'm doing is expose him. I don't want anything this guy has to offer. His mind was darkened. 
He wasn't being led of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't saved. He was a witch, essentially. But yet, I'm going to take his research and finally, you know, uncover the true hidden meanings of what he was after, which was all corrupt, demonically, fallen, angelically inspired information, and I'm going to turn it into something good. It cannot be done. England became a satanic power base through the combined effect of the Scottish Templar Freemasons. The spread of the spirit-conjuring hermetic Kabbalist teachings of Cornelius Agrippa, the Venetian Franciscan monk Francisco Giorgi, George Gordano Bruno, and John Dee, as well as the Aristotelian materialistic teachings of atheistic, boy, they use a lot of adjectives here, uh, Venetian scholar Paolo Sarpi that inspired and were plagiarized by then Sir Francis Bacon and Thomas Hobbles and later John Locke and Isaac Newton. Notice the company that he keeps, the people that he's associated with. After the church was deliberately torn apart by the successful schemes of these unholy beings, and after Europe was ravaged by seemingly never-ending religious warfare, the Rosicrucian movement came on the scene in the early 1600s. It began with documents that spoke of a secret movement that was working to establish a peaceful new world order of love and religious tolerance. Just get, go up to the internet and key in uh, the secret beginnings of America. Uh, you can order the DVD on CuttingEdge.org, Secret Beginnings of America. Uh, imagine you could probably find it on YouTube. You want to know about, more about Sir Francis Bacon and all this? Because we just mentioned him. All these guys, it's like they're all connected. So, let's see here. Uh, let me just read that last statement. It began with documents that spoke of a secret movement that was working to establish a peaceful new world order. What is that? Does that kind of sound familiar? Of love and religious tolerance. Isn't that kind of what we're moving toward now? Um, the Rosicrucian movement pretended to acknowledge Christianity as the true faith, or a true faith, but underneath it was infused with pagan, hermetic, Kabbalistic symbolism and imagery. Kabbalistic meaning like the highest form of um, Jewish witchcraft, mysticism. At the highest levels, it's, it's Kabbalism. Okay. So that's what the Rosicrucian movement, although it pretended to have this veneer of Christianity, just like the Freemasons do, okay, it was infused with pagan, hermetic, and, um, and when it says hermetic, we're dealing with the uh, fallen angel Hermes. I believe the um, like the god of the underworld. Okay, pagan hermetic and kabbalistic symbolism and imagery. Its roots were undoubtedly with the spirit conjurers at the head of the satanic hierarchy, with whom Francis Bacon was ultimately involved with for his New Atlantis, which is what America actually was the blueprint of. It was New Atlantis. It was basically started. With the um, from the occultic standpoint to usher in the new world order, and if you if you go and key in that secret beginnings of of, of America, uh, and then you can even watch the subsequent videos in that series. And I believe you can find them on YouTube. You'll see all this. You know all the stuff about the founding fathers being so great and wonderful. 
You need to you need to also key in that video, the hidden faith of the founding fathers. I'm not saying they're all bad, but there's a lot of stuff there that's not in the history books. You have to. The thing is, is if it's if it's in widely accepted use in our history, you have to question it anymore. Knowing how wicked and evil the a government is, they want you to buy into something that isn't even true most of the time. I mean, if they're presenting it to you, you, you automatically have to pretty much question it anymore. So, the hidden faith of the founding fathers. I believe I believe it's by Chris Pinto. I, I referenced it a few teachings back. Um, I'm pretty sure you can go watch it free online. You know, get up to speed because a ton of people are deceived on that. Francis Bacon was one of the original architects of all this. You know, he invented bacon. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, he didn't invent the pig, but he invented bacon. Just kidding, teasing, teasing. Anyway, um, Rosicrucianism was but one of the many examples of a bogus solution being offered for the manufactured crisis. And Rosicrucianism is what Sir, good old Sir Isaac Newton, well, that was, I mean, if you could say a, a, a one uh, sect of the occult he was most obsessed with, that was the one. And yet David Flynn's here basing his whole book on, on him and other other occultists as well. He's finally got the, it all figured out. Anyway, that's all I have for today. Uh, you know, I wish I didn't have to do these teachings, but I just don't know what choice I have. Uh, it's just flagrantly obvious stuff we're talking about today. This isn't stuff that I had to... Uh, yeah, I've been compiling it for a while. I've been sitting on it. I didn't want to just come out and go off half-cocked. And, and But it's just overwhelming, the amount of information that you get. So... I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and time you've given us. I thank you for letting us come together again, Lord God, to look at these matters that are set before us. I just pray that my listeners in the body of Christ are not destroyed for lack of knowledge, are not deceived, Lord, um, that we are accounted worthy to escape all the things that are coming upon this world and, and to stand before the Son of Man. That, you know, you said in your word, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. In Matthew 24, 24. And I just pray to God we be not deceived. That we cling to the Lord Jesus Christ and the word of God unto the very end. Even if it requires you know, us giving our lives for it, Lord. The Bible says that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they, lo- they love their lives not under the death. So I just pray that whatever it takes for us, Lord God. Um, I do pray for your protective hand to be upon the body of Christ. And um, my listeners in, in this ministry, Lord. I've been uh, attacked a lot with this ministry lately, Lord God, with certain things on the website, and I just pray that you would uh, protect it. And um, I pray that your name be glorified uh, through, Lord God, the body of Christ, through uh, your truth being put out, through this ministry, my my listeners, Lord. I pray, God, that your name be glorified, that you'd use us mightily, Lord, in the days and times to come. Uh, Mightily, Lord God, most of all, that uh, you would use us for people to get saved, Lord, that, that we would be instrumental in that process. Yeah, for it's your will that not one would perish, but that all would come to repentance, that you would forgive us for any and all sins we've committed, as we forgive those who have sinned, sinned against us. And we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.